what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. If you're witnessing to someone, you never know what their response may be. Whatever the response is, whether it be favorable or unfavorable, don't take it personally because it's the Holy Spirit that is dealing with them. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to the book of first samuel chapter 19 let's pick it up with verse 4 first samuel 19 verse 4 And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good. For he did put his life in his hand, and slew the Philistine. And the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all of these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines, and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And an evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul, and he sat in the house with the javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence. And he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. This morning I want to deal with the war between the flesh and the spirit. The war between the flesh and the spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for all of your many blessings of life and life itself. Lord, we... Thank you for every person that has come this way, everyone under the sound of my voice today. Lord, I pray for the anointing of your Spirit to rest upon me. Lord, help me to say that which needs to be said. And Lord, I pray that your anointing will not only rest upon me, but rest upon the people that hear. Lord, that they might hear and receive of your Word and be edified. Lord, that we might be growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. I want to deal with two things in this message this morning. First of all, the conversation that we see taking place between Jonathan and Saul is a great example of how you and I can witness to others 
I want to deal with that and the spiritual conflict that takes place in that. Number two, what we see taking place here between David and Saul is a type of the spiritual conflict that every single child of God will go through. And if you don't understand this inward conflict, then your living for God will not be as it ought to be. So we want to address both of these issues today. Number one, Jonathan speaking with Saul is a good example of what you and I should be doing to the lost world out here, witnessing. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the purpose of the church. That is the mission of the church. The early church touched much of the world, all of the Roman world of that day, and they did it without the help of internet. They did it without the help of the printing press. They did it without the help of radio and television. They did it by going out and using their mouths and talking to the people out in the world of that day. Church, here we are 2,000 years later, and there are more lost people in the world today than there's ever been in the history of the world. What's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. We're not doing what God's told us to do. Go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell others about Jesus Christ. All right, let's take a look at it. Jonathan spoke good of David unto Saul. Verse 4. We need to speak good of the Lord. You say, well, Brother James, I just don't know a whole lot of the Scriptures and stuff, and I don't know how to lead someone to the Lord. Has the Lord been good to you? Has the Lord done good things for you? Open up your mouth and testify and witness of the things that God has done in your life. Tell others about what the Lord has done in your life. Jonathan spoke good of David. You need to speak good of the Lord. All right, let me turn around and say this about that. If you're going to talk good about the Lord, your life needs to line up accordingly. People pay more attention to your life than they do to words that are coming out of your mouth. You've got to have a combination of the two in order to be a successful witness for Christ. Because people are looking at your life. The life you live is the most effective sermon that you will ever preach. So speak good of the Lord. All right, something else I want to mention here in this is this. If the Lord is good to you, act like it. Some of you come in here on Sunday morning, and many of you listening by radio, you go to church, and your face is so long you could eat oats out of a half-inch gas pipe. I'm serious. Your attitude is so, is so sour when you open up a thing of cold cream, it curdles. If God's been good to you, act like it. 
We've got something to rejoice about. We've got something to be happy about. The Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven us of our sins and we're on our way to heaven. That's something to rejoice about. That's something to, to, to put a, a smile on your face about. So, not only do your actions need to line up with what you're talking about, but your attitude and the way you carry yourself. There should be a sweet spirit about you instead of, instead of some sour attitude. All right, let me move on because there's something else I want to deal with here about Jonathan speaking to David. Spoke good of him. Let me tell you, every church has got issues. Okay? There ain't no such thing as a perfect church. If you find one, don't go to it. You'll mess it up. It won't be perfect no more. All right? So there's no such thing as a perfect church, and every church has issues. Speak good of the Lord, like Jonathan spoke good of David. If there's issues and things going on in the church, don't go out here and talk to the lost world about it. Don't go airing the dirty laundry of the church out here for everybody to see. That's not a good witness. There ain't nothing no worse than going to a beauty shop on a Saturday morning and listening to a bunch of women talking about all the stuff that's going on in the church. Oh, come on, y'all. Y'all y'all didn't see that one coming. I ought to just park the tractor right there on that toe for just a few minutes and just deal with that. I don't know why folks ain't coming to church where you keep talking about all the bad stuff that's going on in church. Start talking good about God and the things of God. And start putting down every little thing that goes on. Every church has got issues. We got issues. I got my shoes. They're brand new. Just bought them last week. Ain't they pretty? Jonathan spoke good of David. And let me say this, if you ain't got something good to say, just keep your mouth shut. Good grace and mercy. I look at Facebook and I see people writing all kinds of stuff about what's going on in the church. And the lost world looks at it, then we wonder why. I just don't know why the lost world just ain't coming in the church. They got enough drama going on at home. Why they need to come to church and put up with all that drama going on in the church. And you sitting here talking about it. Speak good of the Lord. If you can't say something good, just keep your mouth shut. All right, let's look at something else. Verse 4. Let not the king sin against David. Verse 4. Sin is the problem. Understand that. God has identified man's problem. It's not some psychological defect. It's not something your mama did to you when you were a little bitty thing growing up. The problem is sin. That's where it all started. But see, the church don't want to address sin. It offends people, see. Oh, James, you talk about sin. That's why the church ain't growing. Folks don't want to hear about it. I'm sorry. I didn't come here to say what you wanted to hear. I come to tell you what the problem is. If you go to the doctor and you tell him you got a problem, and he runs a test on you, and he tells you the problem, you may not want to hear it. 
But you cannot get the solution if you don't understand the problem. And the problem is sin. And the world out here needs to know what the problem is. It is a sin nature that's causing you to do these things. That's why you're having the problems you're having. So Jonathan addressed the sin in Saul's life. Verse 5. Jonathan said he put his life in his hands for you. The lost world out here needs to know that Jesus Christ took the nails in his hands for them. Jesus Christ left the portals of glory, once walking on streets of gold, left all of that became a man and walked on dirt for you and I. Put his life in his hands and lived in this world, lived a perfect life, and then went to an old rugged cross, took the nails in his hands and in his feet, and died for every single person who would ever live, past, present, and future. Jesus Christ did that for you. In destiny here, just a week or so ago, I get a chance to talk with the, with the kids. We teach them one Friday night, and then the next Friday night, I'll question them on what we talked about the week before. And we have some that kind of hit and miss, and so I direct some questions toward them to try to figure out where they're at. My little nephew was here last Friday night, and I'm testing him. And I said, what's man's biggest problem? He said that he ain't got God in his heart. Wow. That won't the answer I was looking for, but that little boy was spot on. Eight years old. I said... Well, how do we get God in our heart? He said, you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Eight years old, and he already knows that. And I said, I said, Daniel, why Jesus Christ? Because that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> you got to know his daddy to understand that. He's a chip off the old block. But anyway, I went on to explain salvation to him a little bit further. I said, I said, Daniel, I said, it's like your daddy telling you, if I catch you doing that, boy, I'm going to whoop you. And you go behind his back and you do it and he catches you. What's daddy going to do? He's he going to whoop me. I said, that's right. He gets you in there in the bedroom, lays you over that bed, got his belt in his hand. And your older brother, Jacob, walks in the room and says, Daddy, wait a minute. I'm going to take his punishment. Little Daniel looked at me and he said, Jacob ain't going to do that. I said, yeah, you're probably right. But Jesus Christ did. 
Jesus Christ took the punishment that you and I deserved. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ took our place. He took His life. In his hands. And let me tell you this. Until you put your hand in the nail-scarred hand, there is no life. There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. Verse 5 again. Jonathan tells Saul that he slew the Philistine. The Philistines were an inward foe. They were an inward enemy. All the other enemies were outside of the boundaries of Israel. But this particular enemy of the Philistines was an inward enemy. And these Philistines had in their midst a giant named Goliath. And all of us face Goliaths in our lives. But the biggest giant that you face is not outward. It's inward, see. And I want you to understand that Jesus Christ slew that Philistine. Jesus Christ slew the Philistine of the sin nature that is ruling and reigning in your life. That is toning you to do certain things that are against God. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior... That opens the door for the Holy Spirit to come into your life and bind up that sin nature that's ruling and reigning and controlling you. He slew that Philistine. Oh, but let me go another step further. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15 that Jesus Christ spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What does that mean? When... When David slew Goliath, put a stone right there between his eyes, killed him graveyard dead, David went over there and took a sword and cut off Goliath's head. That was a type of what Jesus Christ would do to Satan, principalities and powers of darkness. When Jesus Christ came out of that tomb, ladies and gentlemen, he had this head of Satan in his hand. Glory to God. He slew the Philistine. Also in verse 5, Jonathan tells Saul that the Lord has wrought a great salvation. Not only did what Jesus do at Calvary save you from your sin... Bind up the sin nature. Deal with the spirit world of darkness. But what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary will one day bring about a sequence of events that will bring this world back to what God originally intended for it to be. Starting with the trump of Almighty God. And the dead in Christ rising first, and then we which are alive and remain being called up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then this world is going to be plunged into a seven-year tribulation period in which God deals with His people Israel. The Antichrist will come on the scene during that time. 
And he will set his eyes toward Israel to completely annihilate the people of God at the battle of Armageddon. But Jesus Christ will come back riding a white horse. And he'll speak a word and destroy all of the armies of the Antichrist. And then Jesus Christ is going to set up his kingdom to rule and reign for a thousand years. Glory to God. A time of peace and prosperity that the world has never known. The funeral homes will be put out of business. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be nothing that destroys in all of God's holy mountain during that period of time. And it all goes back to the finished work of Christ and what Jesus did for us. A great salvation. Jonathan asked this question to Saul. Will you sin? against innocent blood we can sit here and think about what the worst sin is regardless of what may be come up with here in this service today none of those things will send a person to hell by itself but this is one thing that will send you to hell and that is rejecting the blood of Jesus Christ. People don't go to hell because they're homosexual. People don't go to hell because they're a drug addict or an alcoholic or any 101 different things. Rejecting Jesus Christ is the ultimate sin. That sin right there, rejecting the innocent blood of Christ, is what sends people to hell. Not because they're a homosexual or whatever the case. He said there in verse 5, Will you slay David without a cause? When you reject Jesus Christ, you're actually slaying Jesus Christ in your heart. You're not allowing Him to come in and live in your life as He wants to. And as... Jonathan said here, will you slay David without a cause? And then after Jonathan went through all of this, the Bible says that Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan. He did on this particular occasion, but at other times he would not hearken. When you're witnessing to people and you're talking to people, the reaction that you get is going to be different because everybody is different. People respond to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit different than others do. On this particular occasion, Saul hearkened to Jonathan and, and went along with what Jonathan said. But in the case of the Apostle Paul, when the Apostle Paul, before he got saved, came under conviction... He didn't turn to God immediately. He kicked against the pricks of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit convicted him and dealt with him. And the Apostle Paul, before he got saved, got angry and went out and killed more Christians and persecuted the church even more until God got a hold of him, literally knocked him down off of his horse on that way down to Damascus and God dealt with him and let me tell you God knows what to do to get your attention 
And if you're witnessing to someone, you're talking with someone, you never know what their response may be. And let me say this about that. I've run out of time. Whatever the response is, whether it be favorable or unfavorable, don't take it personally. Because it ain't all about you. You're supposed to do your part. You're to go out and talk good about the Lord. Tell about all the good things He's done for you. Tell them about sin in their life and how Jesus came into the world and died for them. How He slew the Philistines. How He's wrought a great salvation. You're supposed to tell them about all of that. But how they respond, don't take it personally. Because it's the Holy Spirit that is dealing with them. And there is a war that is going on between the flesh and the Spirit. And like I said, it ain't all about you. So don't take it personally. And don't let that spiritual conflict that's going on with them affect your testimony. Well, they rejected me, Brother James, and I just felt so bad about it. I just ain't going to do that no more. No. That ain't the way it's supposed to be. You're to go out and continue to witness and testify of all the good things the Lord's done for you. All right, I said I was going to get into the second part of this message today. The war between the flesh and the spirit as it pertains to David and Saul. But we're going to deal with that next week. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. Hello, I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.